0: Welcome to the Compliance Time, AMR, and Financial Crime Podcast. Here, you can learn from compliance experts, enthusiasts, and creators who are contributing to the fast-moving and dynamic field of financial compliance. Hello everyone and welcome to Compliance Time. In this episode, we'll talk about the governance, risk and compliance platform and its connections with the ESG or environmental, social and governance program of financial institutions and not only. Guest speaker is the CEO and co-founder of LogicGate, Matt Kunkel. LogicGate is a software as a service platform which operationalizes regulatory risk and compliance programs. Prior to LogicGate, Matt spent over a decade in the management consulting space building technology solutions for the regulatory risk and compliance programs of Fortune 250 companies. Without further ado, let's hear from Matt. Hello, Matt, and welcome to Compliance Time. I am very happy to host our discussion today and talk a bit more about governance, risk and compliance.
1: Thanks. It's great to be here and thank you for having me on.
0: Absolutely. So tell us first about yourself, your career path and experience with compliance.
1: Yeah, so I started my career in the the compliance space and really the larger GRC or governance risk and compliance space almost 15 years ago now. And actually, it's been longer than that, almost 20 years ago now in uh, the management consulting space. So I was a consultant right out of university. And, and just a business analyst and kind of found myself um, coding and, and building custom applications. And largely, these custom applications were for large financial institutions like Bank of America or J.P. Morgan Chase. And we were creating solutions to help operationalize different aspects of their regulatory components for their mortgage bank. Uh, their enterprise risk management program globally and got a really do- deep domain expertise in how do you use technology to really help organizations effectively uh, operationalize these different aspects of these programs.
0: That's that's really interesting. And um, you now created um, LogiGate. I, mean, I hope I'm pronouncing it right, <laughs> LogiGate. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so tell us about uh the company and how it started and its mission.
1: Yeah. So Logic Gate started with myself and two other co-founders in late 2015. So about six and a half years ago, really with the, um, and the unfair competitive advantage that we had is like I said, in consulting, we were building all of these custom one-off, uh, solutions to help organizations automate and operationalize different aspects of their grc program and we kind of picked our head up we looked around and we said hey the real vision here is is definitely there's a big part of compliance but how do we transform risk in the risk landscape in organizations to make risk the organization's actually biggest strategic advantage right so we wanted to empower organizations with technology To be able to proactively manage different aspects of their risk within an organization so that that business unit could actually take bigger strategic risks and actually drive top line revenue at the end of the day. If you think about it, risk, there's everything within GRC is risk. You've got privacy risk management. You've got compliance risk. You've got reput uh, you've got reputational risk. You've got organizational risk. You've got credit risk in these big financial institutions. You have third party risk. You have cyber risk. It goes on, and you've got climate risk, which we'll get into with ESG. It goes on and on. So, really, how do you give organizations a one stop shop to manage all of the different aspects of risk within an organization and provide a you know single pane of glass lens to do that? And within the consulting world, there was really three things that we picked up on that were allowing organizations to really quickly adopt and uh, quickly manage these aspects. And one was just that a platform was winning out, right? A true platform to aggregate all of these different risk components within an organization. Two is that You know, the gold standard for technology today is an iPhone or an Android, right? It's got to be that easy to use. It's got to be as easy to use as a a application that you have on your your, um, smartphone. And three, and probably most important, and we'll, we'll probably talk a little bit more about this later in the show, is this concept of a flexible data model and being able to support change. If you think about it, the only inevitability in any business, doesn't matter the sector, doesn't matter the size of business. Is that a business is going to change over time, right? So if a business is changing, that means the maturity of the regulatory program, the risk program, the control, the compliance program, the privacy program is going to need to change to meet those new business objectives. And if that's changing, then the, the underlying technology that's using to automate and operationalize those programs needs to change to meet the those new business requirements. So we really built a platform that can change and morph with an organization, not bend, not have the organization bend to the technology, but have the technology bend to the organization where they are on their growth and maturity level from a, uh, a GRC perspective. So yeah, started the company about six and a half years ago and really have, have taken off over the past um, uh, couple of years and have a large global presence now.
0: That's really great. And um, who is the actual user of the platform? Is it being used by the um, uh, management, the top management, or all employees may have access to review and assess uh, certain things? on the platform?
1: Yeah. So, so when you think about kind of who uses the platform, it's really most organizations, everyone has a license to use it. Because if you think about things like um, potentially logging a risk or logging an mm-hmm. incident, you know, or um, do it like a whistleblower, everyone in the organ, or um, attesting to a policy. Everyone in the organization needs to be able to do that. But if you think about kind of the core power users, typically those are folks in the, um, you know, the CISO or the chief uh, security officers group or the the, um, chief compliance officer or the chief risk officer or the chief audit officer, right? Those are the folks that are in there and on a daily basis, looking at how pieces of work are moving through kind of their process and their pipeline, looking at trends over time. But the business, you know, the, the first line of defense are the ones that are in there actually inputting that data sometimes. And sometimes we grab it automatically through uh, technology and API calls. But sometimes the business has to input that information that then the second line of defense in those, uh, those strategic offices can actually look at.
0: Yeah. Okay, that's really interesting. Now I get it better how it works. Um, That's fantastic. And um, we mentioned ESG and I want to connect it also to financial crime and compliance. So how would you uh, describe the connection between uh, ESG and financial crime?
1: Yeah. Well, let's first define kind of what ESG is for, for your users out there. So oh, yeah. ESG stands for environmental, social, and governance, right? And more and more investors and, um, and management teams and organizations are increasingly like applying these non-financial characteristics or factors as part of their process to, to identify what are the big risks in the organization and also what are the big growth opportunities, So, right? You know, if you think about our mission, we're tying it right back to that. How do we transform the risk landscape in organizations to make it its biggest strategic advantage? So really what we're doing at Logicate ties very, very closely into um, ESG and, and really what ESG is all about. So more to the point on, on financial, right? So. Most of the G in ESG is focused around good internal corporate governance, right? And how well organizations are meeting their regulatory obligations, things like um, FCPA or the Foreign Corrupt Practice Acts, things like anti-money laundering, um, things like uh, Office of, um, of the Foreign Asset Controller, like violations against that. Mm-hmm. And those ESG scores really highlight if an organization is addressing those regulatory obliga- uh, obligations effectively or not. It also, in the S, it, it, the third parties that organizations work with ties to the S, right? So our entities that we work with, quote unquote, good corporate citizens, right? The the same issue in how organizations shouldn't work with um, companies that have child labor in their supply chains, right? And And how are we... Or how are organizations aware if companies are working with other companies that have potential financial crimes within their organization? And, and really failure to address those financial crimes through good governance and good partnerships not only you know impacts, obviously, regulatory fines, but it impacts the ESG score, which could eliminate them from big ESG portfolios, right? And that's a, a huge money source for um, private and public companies these
0: days. Yeah, the more and more importance is, of course, being a potent companies, being uh, socially responsible, um, uh, the ESGs of it was at least before, when I was studying management consulting, (laughs) Um, big part of the CSR policies of the company. So their corporate social responsibility. And um, there are many, many abbreviations here today, CSR, ESG, GRC, but um, Mm -hmm. they're they're all connected, right? And especially I was uh, listening also that the social component of ESG, uh, it may refer as you said, child labor or human trafficking being um, used or forced labor into the um, organization. So um, how will then ESG programs look for financial institutions? Um, What are they like?
1: Yeah, well, so obviously, financial institutions clearly don't have like the giant in, in the ESG, you know, the E, the giant carbon footprint that, you know, oil and gas companies have or coal companies have. Right. However, you know, I think a lot of it is and in, in you see a lot of. Um, Companies these days want to be LEED certified, right? So their buildings and facilities, how are they LEED certified to say that, you know, we're, we are doing this in a carbon neutral or carbon positive manner for how we operate our businesses. And then also it goes back to who those big financial institutions are working with, right? Are we working with big energy companies out there that have really low, you um, ESG scores on, on the environmental basis. And then to your point, you know, it goes into social as well. So, you know, who are the social ties that we have to these large organizations? Do they have labor practices? Do they have bad energy practices? Right. And that ultimately what it really drives to is brand, right. And brand risk and, and brand reputation, um, And and risk of that in there. And then obviously we touched on this earlier too, but the governance aspect, right? And financial institution, there's, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of regulations beyond just kind of the financial crimes regulations that are out there. So it's really important, especially for these publicly traded companies to have high ESG scores, not just to avoid financial regulations and judgment, but you know so that they don't have business disruption and so that their um so that their reputational risk is high and then also especially right now and this is one of the ones that we've been looking at too is on the social side it really goes into one of the biggest risks to organizations right now is just um talent there's a huge war on talent out there uh especially in the United States and um, a lot of people are moving companies because they don't believe in the social aspect of what that company and the social mission of what that company provides. Likewise, a lot of people are coming to companies because they believe in the social aspect or social mission and the diversity that that organization has, right? How many board members that you have are female, Right. A lot of boards are putting pressure and a lot of executives teams are putting pressure to get a much more diverse non-white male board mix. And, and um, employees look at that now as a part as, you know, millennials and, and Gen X's and Gen Z's come up. They're looking at that for where they go from their employee perspective or employer perspective.
0: That's really true. Um, do you have an example maybe of a financial institution in which ESG's core has been affected negatively in the last few years, maybe?
1: So I think there was something on actually JPMorgan Chase, where they, um, and it was more of a, the diversity perspective, and this was a couple years ago, and they, they've actually now been a leader in ESG and trumpeting that that's going to be part of their strategy going forward and that was really the lead-in to the diversity movement that they've that they've been putting in place
0: all right and um, yeah I suppose uh, it's um, it's a tough is it tough to change the opinion on ESG once the score was damaged what kind of steps or are there some best practices that um, companies can adhere to in order to have better ESG score?
1: Well, for and that's kind of the hard part of this, right? Is that, and that's kind of leading into, you know, how ESG and GRC relate together, right? So Mm -hmm. a lot of it is, okay, well, how do we actually get the score in ESG? And what are the data points that we need to do? And there's no real great, process to do that today. You know, there's a couple different frameworks out there. There's different things on the E side of the house. There's different things on the S side of the house. There's different things on the G side of the house. The G obviously ties really nicely to um, uh, GRC, right? But the the whole crux of the issue is how do we get the data to then support the score for, you know, where, where we are from an ESG perspective? And GRC can really help with that, right? one of the key components of of a GRC system is the ability to be able to test once and say, yep, we've got this control in place and comply with many obligations to a company's risks or a company's regulatory bodies or a company's privacy policies that they need to put in place. So they can really keep an eye on the effectiveness of those programs. And a lot of the ESG requirements overlap really really strongly with the different components of, of GRC requirements in, in an organization. And more directly, you know, ESG, you're you're able to demonstrate the effectiveness of the governance, right? The the G and the governance in your GRC programs, it goes a long way to how you're demonstrating the governance in your organizations and the policies and the controls for your ESG program. And right? so your GRC program is a key component. It's not the whole thing, right? But it's a really key component in addressing your ESG goals and initiatives. And it makes it so much easier to report on these efforts, compile everything together, and then um, you know make it make it public to different entities that are out there.
0: So, do you think that the ESG reporting will soon be a must-have for all industries?
1: I think, especially um, public industries. Yes, right. There's there's a lot of pressure on public companies because of some poor ESG scores, right? And I think the other thing is, so if you look at if you look at the data since September of 2020, um, U.S. ESG ETFs, which is like a trading thing in the market, have risen over 300 percent right? So there's significant, significant and these are, these are ETFs that invest in companies that have really high environmental, social, and governance scores, right? So if you don't have that, you have, you're going to have a lack of access to an amazing source of capital, right? And at the top level, the board level, the executive level, that is something that is top of mind for them a lot of times is how do we access and how do we get you know access to, to capital that's out there? The other part of it we talked about, which is, I think, take, take the capital out of it. It's just the brand reputational aspect, right? You can see it actually in the, um, the conflict that's going on with Russia and Ukraine right now. Look at all of the companies and brands that are cutting ties with Russia because of the conflict that's going on with the Ukraine and Russia right now. That's 100% the S in ESG and social responsibility and social governance and what, <clears throat> what they believe in. We talked about the, the the S in diversity, right, and in hiring. And that's a huge top of mind risk for all executives right now because of the war on talent that's going on. So how do I make my company, my entity, a more attractive place above and beyond just what is your compensation structure that uh, to come work for. And a lot of millennials and Gen X is really lean on those social aspects. And then lastly, brand, right? Brand recognition. So I think really, you know, having a very strong ESG, um, ESG score and ESG standing is going to be a must-have, you know, and it and it's like anything, right? This is this is a new concept within um, within uh, corp- corporations, public and private. But as we go on, I think it's only going to get more and more. And there's a ton of tailwinds behind it right now. But as it goes on, I think there's only going to get more and more bo- momentum behind it because of all the aspects um, that it encompasses. And, and really will will be a must-have for not just public entities, but private entities as well.
0: Yeah, that's true that um, the new workforce is really looking to work in companies that have a social mission, that contribute to um, society, to the environment, or have appropriate governance. And um, the, the concept of ESG uh, is not any more new i i think um but it's hard to measure right sometimes it's um yeah
1: yeah that like, and i think that's the goal of it right is is you're exactly right you know some of these things have been around for for a long time right how are we how is an organization um you know helping the environment how is the organization helping have social change in their community or, or at large, right? And, and now it's just, how do we take those concepts and how do we put frameworks to it and some sort of reporting structure around it so we can make it, you know, we as humans want things to be really easy. How is it easy? How is it digestible? And what is the score around it? We're all used mm-hmm. to scores, right? So um, I think that's really the, the crux of what G- ESG is after is how do we put an easy bull. Digestible framework around this so that org- so that um, individuals can understand how organizations are doing to these bigger social, environmental, governance type issues that typically that aren't just tied to hey, what is the dollars and cents? What's the top line you know growth? What's the bottom line EBITDA margins of of these companies? So it's something else to look at within them. The hard part is you really don't have that, you know, hundred percent agreed on. You know, um, here's the the ISO, right? Here's the standard yeah. framework for ESG that everyone is easy to understand and everyone can score,s and everyone's using the same rubric for. But I think more and more that will come out in in the coming quarters and years.
0: And um, is GRC um, affecting? ESG. Okay. The, the governance risk and compliance, how does it affect, affect the ESG? Can they be one without the other? So
1: I guess at the highest level, yes, but really, unless you have a very effective GRC program, you're going to have a real lacking ESG program, right? I mean, the G, the governance are in both of them right? And as I mentioned earlier, the big part of ESG is to be able to take a whole bunch of data and how do we report on that data, right? GRC jumpstarts that whole process for you, the ability to say here, you know, within GRC and regulatory compliance, here are all the regulations that we need to follow for like what we mentioned today, financial crimes, right? And then how am I How am I compliant with those or not compliant with those? And then how do those relate to the risks that we have in the organization? So, GRC allows you to really effectively keep an eye on that, monitor it, and do it in a really efficient manner so that the ESG component of it isn't overly burdensome to organizations and they say, you know what? This is way too costly, time intensive, and is taking away from the overall, you know, mission of the organization. We're not going to put out, you know, where we stand on from an ESG perspective. So GRC, a GRC program is a really key component to ensure that you're properly addressing ESG goals and initiatives, but in a really easy way to be able to report on it, compile all the data and effectively publish that out.
0: And um, if I am working in the bank, let's say uh, in the first or second level of uh, defense in the financial crime space, what can I do to impact the ESG score positively for my financial for my financial institution and in general, you know, to to contribute where my contribution comes in your view?
1: Yeah, well, I, I think it depends on you know what what aspect of the the first line of defense are you in, right? And what you do in there, but largely, you know, I think that the day-to-day operator, how are you protecting your organization, right? If you, the, the first line of defense knows so much about the risks of the organization to that specific business unit because they live it every day. So are you bubbling those risks up to the organization, right? Are you making sure that you have controls in place to potentially mitigate any of the risks that you have? Are you making sure that all of the regulations that you potentially have to follow within your specific business? You know, if you're, let's say you're a mortgage bank and you do mortgage loans, are you following all of the mortgage regulations that that you need to follow for the specific region that you issue loans in? Right. And how are you doing that? Um, do you have any gaps? When would those gaps be remediated? And that's really where a GRC program really comes in to help identify uh, and make it much more efficient and effective to be able to say, yes, we feel really good about our corporate governance structure here at XYZ financial institution. And we also feel really good about the risk profile of our organization here because we have our, the risks aren't just coming from, you know, the ivory tower of, executives thinking like okay hey, here we here are where we see the risks but they're actually coming from the line of business who are in the trenches who really can understand and see what's happening day to day and saying hey yeah we might have really big top level risks here but what about these risks that we're seeing at the at the operating level so it's them it's really just them keeping their eyes open ears open and bubbling up information as they uh, as they see it and as they have it
0: And um, just another question that I thought of is what are the current risks that are most, let's say, dangerous or something that's going on that you think that it will be impactful for many in the financial primary compliance space? What, what are the emerging risks today? Yeah,
1: well, I mean, obviously, with inflation coming, um, certainly interest rate risks are, are going up. So that's credit risk is one of them. I think a huge one in the US and probably across the world right now is um, talent so you know, if I have an employee that's been at the organization for you know, 15, 20 years and all of the processes that we need to do to issue checks or issue payments to a provider are in her or his head, and that process is not well-defined, it's not in a piece of technology, and she you know, wins the lotto and doesn't come in the next mm-hmm. day, that's a huge risk. the organization, right? And then also talent from an attraction perspective, you know, all all good institutions have strategic plans and models and where we're going to grow to and how we're going to grow. But if you don't have the headcount in the seats, you're never going to be able to execute on your strategic plan. So there's a huge risk there. I think there's obviously now with what's going on in Russia and Ukraine, there's a big geopolitical risk, uh, on the horizon and, and not just on the horizon, but now there's a huge risk of climate change. And what that does is the supply chain, right? Uh, there's a huge supply chain risk out there right now It's a big, massive problem in the States. You know, I, I just a personal thing. I ordered a couch nine months before I can get my couch because there's a foam shortage with the supply chain. In the U S right. And then obviously the biggest risk, I, I think that's on top of mind for every CEO that I talk to is cyber risk. The amounts of data breach that are on the rise are just astronomical. Um, and, and there's way less supply of cyber professionals out there than there is the demand for, um, for for that space, right? Because everything's going digital, right? There's, There's a big, you know, kind of the trends in GRC, the biggest one of all is digital transformation. A lot of organizations still run what we're talking about here on what I call duct tape and bubble gum, which is really spreadsheets and emails and storing things on file shares and potentially even, you know, pen and paper, right? So, most organizations and GRC was a lagger in this, right? You know, if you think about like organizational transformation, uh, CRM or customer relationship management on the sales side of the house was one of the first, and that's where Salesforce came in and really transformed the landscape of how that's looked. But GRC technology has been a lagger for the last twenty years since Sorbanes Oxley has came up, and and really only now have we had a lot of tailwinds around. How do you use technology to really operationalize, automate, and transform these different programs within organizations?
0: Yes, that's absolutely interesting about technology. What, what you mentioned and you know utilizing technology because <laughs> some organizations still run on Excel spreadsheets. Oh you yeah. Know, <laughs> And in that direction, um, do you see blockchain technology as an opportunity for improvement in the GRC frameworks and platforms? Not just yeah. to come to the blockchain.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. Someone asked me this before, and we were in the space and we were batting around the idea of what, you know, how does blockchain potentially help within specifically within the, the GRC space. And, you know, I think we're several years there. There's some high level concepts that are there that I'll walk through, but I think we're several years, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine years away from actually practically implementing those. I mean, obviously one of them is just policies, right. And, and contracts with vendors, right. So being able, and I think that's probably the most tangible one, Right. There's, there's a whole heck of a lot of things that happen in our organization around third-party risk management. You know, who are my vendors? How risky are these vendors? How mission critical are these vendors to organizations? And if you had these contracts that are these smart contracts that could, and it takes the, the thing about it, it takes a lot of time, uh, energy, effort across multiple different business units of an organization's to really understand the whole landscape of a vendor. Right? It's not just their cyber. Um, And how they are from a security perspective, it's also their financial perspective, it's also who they do business with, it's also who the third parties are, so it's called fourth parties, who the fourth parties are of these vendors. So there's just so much information that you need to collect to make an informed decision. And with blockchain, you could really, really dramatically cut that down and operationalize that whole chain of... um, especially as you're going to like the third party and the fourth party and the fifth party to really get good insights into, hey, well, I need X, Y, Z thing from you, third party, but who do you work with to get it? And then who do they work with to get it? And then you end up saying like, well, my fifth party actually, you know, uses slave labor in Cambodia. Do I want to be associated working with them in my in my supply chain? Blockchain would really help, understand those different parties in that process.
0: But does it mean that all the parties have to be somehow on the blockchain? Yes. In order, yes. To, right.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: J- just to make sure that I'm understanding. Right. And that's, and that's, from.
1: and that's why I think, you know, the concept, the high level, you know, how could we use it? Is there the practicality of it is what I said. I think we're several years away from still implementing blockchain within you know, the the risk and compliance space.
0: It would be great for transparency reasons. And we can see that more and more legislation is going towards um, transparency in the supply chains. Um, The EU has recently uh, proposed new directive that's very ESG oriented and, um, uh, you know, for tracking of um, such parameters in the companies so i think more and more there will be importance but um what other future trends do you think uh, it will will emerge in the in the grc space
1: yeah well we talked a bunch about one right esg and that's clearly getting a lot of press and media and and marketing um there's a lot of tailwinds behind that i i we hit on another one which is the big one is is digital transformation Right. And it's crazy to me how many big organizations that we work with that prior to to trans um, to getting on the risk cloud platform were just on spreadsheets and running really big mission critical parts of their GRC programs uh, on spreadsheets and emails. Right. So that's a huge one is, is digital and digital transformation at at the maturity level that they are. Right. The concept of change and how do we integrate the ability to change within our GRC programs over time, because all of these programs are going to mature. You're never, you know, someone once asked me, a customer actually asked me, when am I done with my GRC, you know, program, And I kind of laughed at him and I said, well, you're never actually done because it's always morphing and changing and evolving to meet the needs of the business and where the the strategy of the business is going over time. So the risk and the regulatory and the compliance and the privacy and and uh, that's all going to need to morph with those new business dynamics. So it's never changing. So you want a, a piece of technology that can morph with you over time. Another big component is this concept of interconnected data. So how do we take data from maybe our uh, third-party supplier program and put it in to our operational risk program? So we say, hey, we've got got a line item in our operational risk in the risk registry that says risk of third-party supplier issues. Okay, well, how do we actually evaluate that and how do we take the data from the thousands of vendors that we have in our third party supply application that we've scored, that we've used different data elements to to get a really clear picture of how risky they are and how mission critical they are to the business. And how do we bubble that into the high level enterprise risk management application? And that's just one example of being able to connect data and the interconnectedness of data and being able to use that data to make better informed strategic decisions. And then lastly, I would say, Really, you know, this concept of automation has taken off in the last couple of years. RPA, robotic process automation, um, and that's continuing to be a, a huge trend in the market, especially in something called uh, CCM or continuous controls monitoring. So, how do we, you know, we've got all these regulations out there, and typically, what happens is we'll say, okay, regulation one is a security part of it. I'm going to send this off to my security officer, and he or she is going to load up evidence into our repository of how we're complying with that. So when a regulatory body comes in, they can look at the evidence and they say, yep, great, you're complying with that. And that happens on some sort of regular cadence. So a lot of time, energy, and this is you know one of thousands of regulations across the entire organization. So a lot of time, effort, and energy. What if we could just uh, call the platform where that piece of evidence is stored and automatically pull that evidence into the data repository on some sort of frequency and cadence so that the regulators could go look at it and the privacy manager or whoever the security manager never has to get involved. Just the amount of sheer time, energy, and effort and cost savings with that is tremendous. So that's going to be, that's already started to be a big wave. There's, there's a lot of startups, um, building companies and connectors around this. And I think that'll be, you know, if, if there's any of them, that'll be kind of the new mover in the space in a short period of time, you know, short to me is like the next one to three years. That is something that's really going to emerge and something that we're working on here at Logic Gate.
0: That's amazing, really, and uh, great outlook. Thank you so much for your insights today. And um, I hope that will be useful for our uh, for, for our audience. Um, just a quick question, if uh, people want to reach out to you, uh, where can they find you?
1: Yeah, so logicgate.com is the website, and they can find me specifically on LinkedIn, Matt Kunkel, and just shoot me a LinkedIn note and happy to, uh, happy to connect with any of your viewers.
0: Amazing. Thank you again and uh, speak soon.
1: Yes, cheers. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to Compliance Time. If you like this episode, remember to give us a five star review on your platform. You can also support our work on Buy Me A Coffee. Don't forget to subscribe on our website for the monthly newsletter and check out our blog. Bye-bye.